first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. What is up, everybody? Uh, welcome in to the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Um, before we talk about the game tonight, uh, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisles or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. Okay, Um, we are post-game, just finished watching... Colorado, Arizona State, over at Blake Street Tavern. It was a blast. Always great setup. They had Ralphie out there, which was pretty crazy um, because it's a buffalo that they brought to the parking lot. Sixty and Ralphie. Uh, I don't think you guys really care about that. We're going to talk actually about the football instead. Um, it's a little after midnight now. Just got back home. Um, got myself a big glass of Red Bull. And now I'm ready to talk about this football game before I write about this football game and then write something else about the football game and then go to bed and make it over to Ice House for that 11 a.m. kickoff uh, between the Broncos and the Packers. It's going to be a busy couple hours here. Um, But let's dig into this game. I don't even know where to start. Um, What is most important at this point is that Colorado is 3-1 and one going into the bye week. And this bye week really couldn't come at a better time. Uh, it's, there's been a lot of football going on. And we can start there. You know, Colorado State rivalry game in Denver getting the season going. The next week you go to Nebraska, emotional win. Next week, Air Force, emotional loss. First road trip, go down to Arizona State. Uh, battle through a bunch of injuries and pull out a late win and honestly look pretty good doing it. But now they're to the bye week, get a little bit of rest, and they need it, not just because they need that chance to reset, figure out what worked tonight and what didn't, but also because of all of those injuries. You know, the big ones, LaVisca Chenault looked like an issue with his shoulder again. Uh, that's that's really concerning because that's something that's bothered him this year. He's had surgery on that shoulder. Um, you hope that he's going to be all right. Still scary. Um, Mustafa Johnson 
took that block. I mean, he's kind of like turned toward the backfield, offensive lineman behind him, and the offensive lineman just dove into the back of his legs and he crumpled a little bit. He didn't come back either. He was in street clothes on the sideline. Uh, he was walking around on the sideline, though, so that's a good sign considering it looked like a lower body, like maybe ankle-type injury. Big loss, though. They they had a couple guys who contributed to a pass rush, which was nice afterward. Uh, Terrence Lang, Alex Changham made a couple plays, mostly on blitzes when they had some help. But Mustafa Johnson obviously would be a huge loss if this is something that isn't going to be solved before they play Arizona two weeks from today at Folsom Field. Outside of that, you know, Delrick Abrams missed some time but made it back in. Um, Both running backs, Jaron Mangum and Alex Fontenot, missed some time and made it back in. Mikhail Onu missed some time and made it back in. I don't believe we saw Chris Miller come back. Uh, KJ Trujillo got his first playing time, the freshman cornerback um, behind him. Uh, who else? A couple other guys. Jacob Callier saw the field for the first time tonight. Um, I think there was one more. We'll come back to it. I'm sure it'll, it'll pop back in my brain. But, you know, they're banged up. And most teams are banged up at this point. And this is a good time to reset. 1-0 in conference play, 3-1 and overall. Can't complain about any of that. Um, I, I think that that's kind of, like, like we usually start these with the news. I feel like that's the newsy type stuff is what does this look like going forward? You know, who's who's going to be missing? And we don't really know, obviously. But I know there are a bunch of other guys on this team, too, who are battling through things that... It'd be nice to just put behind them, and hopefully having an extra week will do that. I'm, I'm actually sitting here watching this, the end of this UCLA-Washington State game at the same time, and this is wild. This gave UCLA the ball on oh, forced fumble. Um, yeah, two and a half minutes left. Washington State's up 63-60. to 60. It's incredible. Uh, had like a 32-point lead and let UCLA back into it. Now UCLA the worst team in the Pac-12 South might bring down potentially one of the best teams of the Pac-12 North, 19th ranked in the country. Crazy stuff, Uh, but we don't need to talk about that. Um, We need to talk about Colorado, and we're going to jump into that Buffs offense that was missing LaVisca Chenault for most of the game. You know, early on, they got LaVisca a couple touches, and he did what he does when you get him touches. He produced, he got significant yards after the catch he was running guys over he had one was it an end around maybe I think it was the end around where he's just running downfield there's a defensive back trying to bring him down he's kind of like in front of him a couple yards in front of him and LaVisca just kind of weaves and keeps the defenders back to him so the defender can't turn around and he just has him tied up for like 10 yards and then the guy tries to turn around and tackle LaVisca and LaVisca's just too big and runs him over for five more yards. I I hope he's all right. Um, he did look good when he played. Wish he could have played more because this seemed like the type of game that he could have just dominated. Um, after he went out, though, Tony Brown stepped up. Katie Nixon stepped up. Dimitri Stanley, you could put on that list as well. Uh 
this whole offense is not just LaVisca Chenault. And I think that tonight proved that because, uh, I mean, obviously they didn't have him and they beat a team that I think is pretty good. You know, we've talked about it recently, um, whether the Arizona State Sun Devils are the second best team, the third best team, the USC in there behind Utah. Um, now... Now, with USC beating Utah, I think you had to say Arizona State was third in the Pac-12 South coming into this game. But uh, with Colorado beating them, I think that that probably moves Colorado up to third. And that means that Arizona State's fourth. This is a big win. Uh, It's a tough place to get a win. Uh, This has been a great start for Mel Tucker. But, uh, okay, I'm done vamping because I was able to pull these stats up. Tony Brown, uh, nine catches, 150 yards, three touchdowns. He was busy. He was busy, and he looked good all night. The touchdown catches, I can think of two of them off the top of my head, just beautiful. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, there was one where it almost looks like he put, like, stickum or something on his shoulder pads in his chest. And he just has arms there, and just the ball hit and stuck with a defender draped over him. Tony Brown, I, I, I almost said, like, he's really raised his draft stock this season. And then it's like, no, he just created draft stock out of absolutely nothing so far through four games this season. Um, what a revelation. How has he not gotten more attention in the past is a big question that I've been asking myself. Um, Colorado stacked a receiver. You know that's that's kind of what was on display tonight, and the reason it was so obvious is that Stephen Montez had one of the best games of his career. Uh, Twenty-three of thirty, three hundred and thirty-seven yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. But with him, I don't really care too much about the stats. He just looked totally in control he looked like he was mastering that offense like he was just distributing the ball wherever it needed to go he was finding open receivers uh he was getting the ball downfield when things started to break down he'd roll out of the pocket you know it was kind of frustrating i watched a game with uh ryan konigsberg and tyler ziskin and uh you know they they kept getting frustrated that he wasn't running for first downs uh, when he was rolling out of the pocket. But he'd get out of the pocket, look up fields, find somebody, and just zip a ball right into his chest. Uh, there was there was one where he definitely could have run late. I think it was like a third and five or something. Could have ran for five yards. Instead, just zipped one into Katie Nixon's chest for 12 yards, 13 yards. Uh, he was in control. He was just finding guys. There were only a couple times where it looked like he was panicked. You know, he really wasn't pressured at all, and I'm sure that that played a factor. But not only was he finding these open receivers short and hitting them, he was finding guys open deep as well. He was throwing the ball downfield, and it was working for him. Um, wow, this UCLA game is crazy, though. UCLA just forced a fumble. They scored a touchdown. Now it's 67-63 UCLA. Strip sack. Recovered by UCLA, sixth turnover for Washington State. Their quarterback has thrown nine touchdowns, which is absurd, and no timeouts left. So that's it. UCLA is about to bring down Washington State. 
in Pullman. So that changes the whole landscape of the Pac-12 again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Montez, I, I had never seen him play like this. You know, uh, this was something that I kind of had heard about, that he has this, like, everybody was saying all week, you know, after he has a tough game, he comes back and he plays really well. And I was like, sure, okay. And now now I get to see what it looks like when he plays really well. And it is impressive. He's just distributing the ball. He's just doing his job. He's not playing outside himself. A couple little screens in there, but mostly just looking downfield and finding open receivers. And he was very, very impressive. And if that's the Steven Montez that the Buffs have for the rest of the season, there is no ceiling for where they will be at the end of the year. You know, they have the talent, obviously, on this offense. Uh, you trust Mel Tucker to figure things out defensively, and we'll get to the defense later. It's starting to get a little bit scary, but we'll get into it later. You know, if Steven Montez is really able to get the ball to all these playmakers all over the field, like it looks like he can, that'd be huge. That'd be so huge. You know, all of a sudden they're favored in more than enough games to find their way to a bowl appearance. Um, very impressive helped by the offensive line helped by the receivers you know he did miss a couple balls or maybe not even missed but just didn't put them right where he should you know there there was the late one the comeback route on uh I think it was a third down forced him to have to punt maybe it was one of the last couple drives but uh I think he threw it to Mo Bell and Bell was coming back and Montez just left it a little bit high. And Bell probably could have made a play on it, and he didn't. And he probably would have caught it if it was a perfectly thrown pass. You know, there were a couple of those types of things, but that's going to happen with any quarterback. 23-30, 3-37, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Very, very impressive performance. And something that you have to hope that he's going to build off of going forward um, they started hot with <laughs> something that we've talked about a lot here, whether that, whether they were capable of building some momentum early and riding it. And, you know, they did, they, they really found a way to do that. Scored on the first two drives, uh, had the fumble, the Katie Nixon fumble on the kick return. And the conversation after that wasn't, like, oh, no, can't be wasting opportunities. It was, you know, Colorado is going to score if you get them the ball. Like, you just can't turn the ball over like that. And that's a much more fun place to be. Uh, they kind of faded a little bit late. The I think early on, I was pretty much in awe of the play calling. Seemed to know exactly what to do to take advantage of what the defense was showing them. I mean, they looked in control, and Steven Montez in particular looked very much in control of that offense. Second half, when they're trying to pull away, once this really became like one of those like batting down the hatches games, uh, you you know each team's getting just a couple more possessions. Who's gonna score? It's tight. You know the the game kind of shifted away from this high scoring offense. Everybody's running free deep downfield. Um, the play calling took a step back. It got a little bit conservative, more screen passes, running. You know, if, if, if there was a play where early in the game there's a 50-50 chance 
Colorado thought they should run it there. It was going to be 60-40 now. You know, they just ran the ball a little more than they probably should have. They threw the screen passes. They threw the short passes. Um, got got cautious is what it was. And, you know, it, it worked out for them. They had a couple drives stall out, and they had to punt. But they didn't turn the ball over. They didn't give the ball to Arizona State in good field position. They trusted their defense to not let the other team go downfield and score. And it worked out. It did work out. And so while that play calling is frustrating, it's tough to really hold it against the this coaching staff because I mean, at the end of the day, it's about wins. And Mel Tucker last week, that reminds me, every time now, I'm starting to get confused. This is one of the few things where I'm just like not totally sold on what Mel Tucker said. And that's when he said, you know, it isn't just about the results. It's about how you get there. The ends don't always justify the means. He's talking about how winning games, you know, it doesn't always mean that you're playing well. You know, you can miss some assignments and still beat another team. But at the end of the day, it kind of is just about winning football games. Um I keep that 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 one thing that he said has really been stuck in my mind trying to figure out whether I agree with that or not moving on though you know the point is they won the football game and you have to look at a football game as a full team effort knowing what you have offensively and defensively knowing that if we play more conservatively offensively it puts the defense in a better spot and we trust them to not not screw that up and they made the right decision. So you can't just isolate the offense and say, well, the offense stalled out right here without pointing out the defense really did pick it up. And who knows if that would have happened if the offense had thrown an interception and if they would kept with the bold play calling. Um, very impressive job by the coaching staff tonight. Still some blown assignments on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, we'll get into that. You know, they ran the ball pretty well. I mean, it was more of like a quantity running attack than quality. Alex Fontenot, 25 carries, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Jaron Mangum, 7 carries, 23 yards. Deion Smith, 4 carries, 15 yards. Montez, 2 for 10. It's not... I mean, if you're not breaking any records with any of that stuff, three and a half yards for carry for the team, you know you live with it. It's enough to keep the offense on pace, enough to keep the defense honest. They aren't just sitting back playing the passing game. Early on, we saw a lot of these like four wide receiver sets, which I loved. Sometimes they'd split out all five wide, and that's when this offense is at its best. Get all that talent out there. Let everybody make a chance to make a play. Let everybody have a chance to go make a play, beat their guy, get open, and trust Steven to find him the ball and maybe make a play after you catch the football. It was a really impressive performance from this offense across the board. You know, you hope to see just a little more juice out of the running game, get that up over four yards per carry, and then you feel really good. But, again, the passing game was just so efficient. It looked unstoppable. It was very impressive. Uh, before we move on to talk about the defensive performance tonight, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Breckenridge Brewery. 
uh, I'm pretty excited to wake up tomorrow morning morning and head over to Ice House where they're having specials on Breckenridge Brews just for our BSN watch party, uh, watching the Broncos play the Packers um, at Lambeau Field. We won't be at Lambeau Field. We'll be at Ice House. But uh, if you guys want to come out, we would love to have you. Like I said, specials on Breck Beers. Uh, I'll be there. Ryan will be there. Allie will be there. I think Zach will be there. It, the crew will be there, and we're excited to talk Broncos, excited to talk Buffs as well. Uh, it's going to be a blast, and we're going to be drinking a lot of Breckenridge beers. And I am really excited, even though I'm going to have, like, no sleep before then. I took a nap today to plan for that, which I think was pretty smart. Um, yeah, come drink a bunch of Breckenridge beers. Also check out the event calendar on bsendeavor.com. That's where you'll find stuff like this watch party. Uh, that we're having tomorrow. Um, so yeah, Breckenridge beers, pretty great beers. You should drink them. All right, the Buffs defense. The Buffs defense. Uh, I don't even. Uh, usually, usually I like write my stories. I'll write like the whatever four takeaways from the game, and kind of use those to build the podcast off of. And I won't get quite as in-depth because I want to, like, give subscribers a reason to subscribe, like, some more different information. I'll kind of spin things a little bit differently on the podcast. But since I'm doing the podcast first tonight, I really haven't structured a bunch of notes out <laughs> about the game. And so this is really just a very natural, flowy, whatever thoughts and to start with this defense, I don't even know where you would want to start. I guess we'll start at the beginning of the game because, you know, chronologically that seems like a good idea. Um, the coverage was bad. The pass rush was bad. Uh, they did a pretty good job of containing, you know, Benjamin, 20 carries, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Um, wasn't really a factor in the passing game. Uh, two two catches, no yards. So that's that's good. That's the big plus, and we'll get to that. But before we do, we have to talk about how frustrating it was to watch the coverage and the pass rush tonight. Just receivers running open everywhere, um, everywhere, everywhere. Luckily, Jaden Daniels missed them often early on, but once he started hitting them, that's when Arizona State caught up with Colorado. Uh, it's something we've seen before. This isn't a new problem. Blown coverages, whether whether it's the linebackers who really struggled tonight or you know the cornerbacks, the safeties, nobody looked good. Nobody looked good in coverage out there, which is disappointing and that's a problem that needs to be figured out. I don't know how to do it. It just seems like, I mean, there were so many times when they would drop eight guys. They'd rush three, drop eight people into coverage and couldn't cover the four or five receivers out on routes. It was really frustrating. It was so, so frustrating. I mean, they're running free deep. They're running free across the middle like 10 yards, 10 yards right in front of the center's nose, there would just be open receivers. And you're thinking, how? 
how is nobody assigned that area? And then you think, well, I bet somebody probably is. They just aren't there. Um, frustrating. Very frustrating. I don't, I don't know what to say other than that, you know? It, it's kind of an issue with everybody. You got to find a way to get it cleaned up, though. Uh, this Arizona State team hasn't been known for its great offense this season. Um, the you know what they've been known for is the defense. They've given up twenty one points to the first three games, or yeah, through the first three games heading into this Colorado game when Colorado puts up thirty four itself. So that's impressive. Um, but yeah, defense that's where it all starts just getting picked apart uh Jaden Daniels I guess we have numbers for this stuff uh 24 of 39 345 yards two touchdowns and interception kind of faded a little bit down the stretch I think I mean early on he was also a little bit faded uh he was missing some of the open receivers but about halfway through the first quarter that changed and then that continued until halfway through the fourth quarter and honestly, Montez just outplayed him. And that's kind of a storyline, like a game within a game that we're going to see every week through Pac-12 play. I would bet more often than not, the winning team is going to have whichever quarterback outplays the other. And Steven Montez is so up and down that that's one of the things that you should really be keying in on. This week, Steven Montez looked better than the true freshman Jaden Daniels. And he should, for sure. Just calling Jaden Daniels a true freshman is... It doesn't quite capture just how talented this kid is, but, you know, Steven Montez should outplay him. And he did, and Colorado won. Uh, Khalil Tate's up next. That's going to be a challenge, you know. What do you expect from Khalil Tate? He's so up and down, so is Steven Montez. Who comes out on top? I think that that goes a long way in determining who wins the game. Uh, all the way through the schedule, I think that these quarterback battles are going to be huge for not just Montez and his draft stock, but the game as a whole. Which, I mean, I know that doesn't sound like a hot take. It's like, of course, of course, having the quarterback who plays better means that you're going to win. That's the most important player on the field. But for the Buffs in particular, with Montez being so up and down, I really do think that him outplaying the other quarterback because they're going to be in a lot of games like this, 34-31, maybe even higher scoring. I mean, this was a 21-21 game at halftime, 24-21 game. Buffs got the field goal. But uh, they're going to be high scoring, and it's going to come down to which quarterback can kind of hold on late. And you saw Jaden Daniels throw the interception, and that kind of changed things. Uh, Back to the Buffs' defense, though, receivers running free the reason that that became so much of a problem was that Colorado couldn't couldn't get a pass rush and again very frustrating to watch first drive sitting at Blake Street Tavern I think it's the first pass attempt for Jaden Daniels I can't remember if it's a three-man or four-man rush but he's just sitting in the pocket it's two seconds three seconds four seconds then around four seconds everybody in the crowd just starts like gasping and yelling like what what the hell and and the way the camera works is it's just like zoom down the pocket so you can't even see anything downfield which is stupid I don't know if I've shared my football camera takes but uh but 
they're bad. You, you should be able to see every player on the field. You should see what's going on downfield. You should see how all these routes work together, how they're pulling the defense, because that's what's interesting about football. You shouldn't just be like watching the ball, because then at the end of the play, you don't even know what happened. You just know whether they completed the pass or not. It's stupid. It's, the ESPN Sky Cam, they make it too gimmicky. Otherwise, it should be a good replacement. You know, put the camera behind the quarterback show the entire field but then they start doing these weird zooms and they make you dizzy with the way they spin they don't include commentary and it's just the you're like a typical espn almost having a good idea and then ruining it with like why is it why does it have to be this hard but yeah you know we we can only see the pocket on the broadcast and he's just standing there and it's frustrating, and it turns out that's how it was all game. You know, these three, four-man rushes just doing almost nothing until that last drive when they get the sack, and that kind of ends the game. You know, they have that fourth and 15 chance, but even on that one, they get pressure, and the ball only gets halfway of the stick. There's nobody around. Um, up until then, though, they had to blitz to get any sort of pressure at all, which is a problem. And at this point, though, with the way the receivers are running free, just just saying t- like telling your corners, telling your defensive backs to man up. Uh, you're playing this one on one, and we're sending six guys at the quarterback. If that's what it takes, and you're not, you're you're getting picked apart. Otherwise, then I think you have to run with it. I think that going forward, this Buffs team has to be more blitz heavy. Um, at least until it shows that it can produce a pass rush. You know, that that is the biggest flaw on this team, in my mind, is that they can't produce a pass rush. You know, the offensive line hasn't been great. Steven Montez is up and down. Uh, coverage, like I've said, hasn't been good. The number one problem this team is having is it can't generate a pass rush. You, you got you to gotta find a way to make that happen. And... Hopefully that that's one of the key points in recruiting, not just out of high school, but for next season when you go through the transfer portal, see if you can find somebody who can give you some sort of presence as a pass rusher. You just need it. You just need it because sending five, six guys leaves you exposed downfield. But if that's how you what it takes to get pressure, you kind of have to do it. Uh, something needs to change there. Um, I'm kind of excited to see what happens. We did see them blitz more. We saw some of that same double A gap stuff that Arizona State really likes to run, and it worked. Um, get get weird with it. Find a way to send some pressure. You just can't live like this. Uh, Brendan Ayuk, a uh, guy who we talked about on the podcast a receiver, senior receiver for Arizona State. He lived up to the hype. They tried to use him in kind of a LaVisca Chenault role, uh, get him the ball, let him make plays. You know, I saw him on jet sweeps, never saw like the wildcat or tight end stuff because that's stuff that honestly only LaVisca Chenault can do. But nine receptions, 122 yards, a touchdown. He looked good. Uh, he was better than the cornerbacks that he faced from Colorado. Um, he beat them. At least tonight he was better. Again, something needs to change there. Uh, and the running game, like I said, contained Eno Benjamin, and that is what's most important against this team. 
four yards per carry. Sure, he got the two touchdowns, but short yardage made him work. That's what's important. Uh, And I think that that kind of sums up the defense. Again, disappointing performance from the linebackers. Just need a little more range, a little more cover senses. They... The middle of the field is just wide open when the other team wants to throw the football. And other areas are wide open, too. It's not like it's just right there. But that's what's most noticeable because that's where the quarter... I mean, it's right in the middle of the field. That's what's easiest to find is what's right in front of you. Um, All of that said, you know, Arizona State is a very good football team. We thought that they could compete for a Pac-12 South title. Um... Honestly, up until today, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, Yeah, I would still say today, coming in this game, I thought that. Even though USC looks better, it was kind of like Arizona State's the number two, USC's the number three. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Arizona State. Then USC actually beats Utah. But I still think that Arizona State was in that discussion, even though they are running with that true freshman quarterback. But so is USC, you know? This is a good football team and a good defense, and Colorado shredded that defense. And, you know, their own defense didn't hold up to Arizona State the way you'd want. But, again, good football team. Plenty of offensive talent. Uh, This was a very, very good win. And after, after seeing a win like this, it's tough to circle any team on the schedule and say that's a game you can't win Oregon Washington those are going to be tough games you know Washington State probably would have made that list too before they lost to UCLA they gave up 67 points to UCLA tonight uh Utah tough team to beat but still I think that Colorado can win any of those games I think they should beat Arizona they should beat UCLA that gets them to five wins Got to find one more somewhere else, and if they find two more, then then that's what I think it'll take for this team to get some national recognition going into next season in Mel Tucker's second year. You know, that's when people really like to hype up programs when the quarterback gets or the coach gets into his second season. Sure, they have to replace their starting quarterback of three years. Uh, they have to replace Lavisca Chenault. They have the guys to figure something out. Uh, Mel Tucker has the brain to figure something out, and I trust his coaching staff as well. Um, he, this was a huge win. This was a really huge win. Uh, it's exciting going forward. Um, I think that that's all I have on this game for now. Well, of course, I'll be back Monday to talk about it. Actually, no media availability Monday. Uh, we only have Tuesday, Wednesday this week, I believe. So... I'll just be here recording the podcast, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, let me know what you guys think. Always want to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, any comment you post in the comment section for this post on bsndenver.com, I will read on Monday's show. Um, interested in your take on the game. Uh, do you agree that the pass rush is the one thing that really needs to be upgraded? You know, how does this game kind of change your take on this team this season? Is this a Pac-12 South contender? Is this a Pac-12 contender? Um, is this a bowl game contender? You know, where where do you see the buffs right now? And what 
do you still need to see from them? Um, I don't know. What's different about what you think about this team right now than it was Saturday morning before we saw them play Arizona State? Curious to hear your opinions, as always. Uh, again, only subscribers can comment. So if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely suggest it. Some good stuff up on the site. Uh, I, I talked to Sam Neuer and Mikhail Onu about living together and how Mikhail Onu has helped Sam learn how to play safety and got some good stuff from him, um, including Sam Neuer calling himself Chef Neuerdee. So got to check that out and read about all the different foods that Sam cooks for his roommates, Mikhail Onu and Jalen Harris. Uh, it's all stuff that I could probably also cook, by the way, and I'm not much of a cook. But, uh, yeah, subscribe. Um, appreciate you guys listening. It was awesome game tonight. We are lucky to be watching Mel Tucker and a little bit of LaVisca Chenault. Um, I will see you all on Wednesday. Monday. Why did I say Wednesday? It's late. It's one in the morning. I got to write something. Bye. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180.